Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. So it is, of course, back to school time at primary and secondary level. And uh, a recent report by a, a joint committee of the Dáil and Shannon has made recommendations on how best to tackle the issue of bullying in schools. Would you notice if your child was being bullied, particularly in that transition to a new school environment? Mary Dunn from the National Association of Victims of Bullying joins us. So we also have Professor James O'Higgins-Norman, who's from the National Anti-Bullying Centre in Dublin City University. And you're both welcome. Um, Mary, to start, uh, for primary school children, uh, what might be some of the telltale signs that there's bullying of your child going on? Good morning, Joe. Nice to talk to you You too. Lots to to notice this year in particular because you have um, children who are learning at home, who have had various supports at home, or maybe none. So if a child is starting out new, it's very hard to know what's going on with them. There could be maybe discomfort in the class they're in. But when you come down to the area of bullying, there's a lot to be aware of, Joe. But the most important thing I would say to parents this morning is to start listening because you're going to hear things. Children will be probably coming more forward with language that maybe you weren't aware of. And um, just, just listen to them because they will get afraid They won't know how to deal with it, and you need to be aware of that. And you probably won't know how to deal with it either. Yes, because I think some of the difficulty here is, you know, if you're transitioning to a new school, into primary or into secondary, then it's hard to know how much of it might be the unsettling effect of that in the initial stages, or that there might be a more sinister dynamic going on. Well, if there's a continuation of unhappiness in a child, that they change their patterns of sleeping, of eating, of maybe not wanting to go to school. It's just, the, the classic symptoms will always be there. The pain in the tummy, the nightmares at night, all of that remains there. And can it be more subtle at second level? No, it, it amounts to the same, Joe. Um, I've had a, a great chance this year to study second level in particular, of what's going on. And it's the same issues. Uh, girls will be ostracised. Boys will have a subtle way of tormenting somebody or telling them they're not good enough. Um, it's the same thing that you watch out for. But with teenagers, they will tell you they're coping. They're not coping. So it takes time. It takes time by the school. It takes time with the year ahead. It takes time for parents. And this is a tough year now, Joe. A tough year in specifically? Well, specifically because there's been a different environment right. and some of our young people going back into school will have, I suppose, survived uh, at home or survived in an environment where they wouldn't have had to be socialising. So the whole social behaviour has changed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's a worry. It's a worry. And I mean, there are parents that we've chatted to over the years who maintain that if uh, there is bullying happening, that really the only way to deal with it is to move the child to another school. No, no. Because you're victimising the child again. And Joe, and all down the years I've said this to you, there may not be any other alternative. 
But we have to give the young person or the child the right to say, I'm staying in this school and I want something done. So we have to have a coherent setup by both parents and the school. It's no point in having an anti-bullying policy if nobody knows how to use it. Yes. Mary Dunn is talking to us from the National Association of Victims of Bullying and Professor James O'Higgins-Norman, as I mentioned, from the National Anti-Bullying Centre in DCU is also here and we're thinking about that transition to primary school or secondary school and as Mary points out, the unusual circumstances as well uh, that exist this year. Uh, Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Joe. What are your thoughts on this then? Um, Obviously from an expert point of view, but clearly people are thinking about this as parents as well. Yeah, um, you know, the um, transition from primary to post-primary is an exciting time um, for parents and kids alike. Um, Every parent in the country who has a child transitioning this year has been out and bought the books, got the uniform, new shoes, lunch boxes, the whole lot. And when they send their child out to school, they're expecting and hoping for absolutely the best for them. And the schools they're going into are, are, are the same. Uh, unfortunately for some, um, during that time of transition, um, there are new friends, new people, and sometimes new conflicts can occur in the school situation. So what we would be advising schools to do and, the, and schools that are good are already doing is they're making bullying prevention really uh, top of their list on day one, 1st of September, back in school. And they're engaging in educational activities and uh, not just with the students, but with the parents and with the teachers to make sure that everybody is aware of the school's position on bullying behaviour and knows how to cope with it and deal with it and report it and recognise it uh, if it occurs. But Um, but how do you, uh, even as a school, with the right policies, prevent a situation where there's subtle but ongoing freezing out of mm-hmm. a child and and you know that is yeah, a very disturbing form of bullying but extremely yeah. difficult to deal with so so to prevent it which we, we engage in educational programs with the children to let them know that certain types of behavior cause hurt and cause harm to other children and when children are educated about that they generally respond really well um a lot of the anti-bullying programs in schools around the world um, will focus now on the kids who are not bullying and who are not bullied. So the bystanders, the the big group in the middle. And it's about creating an atmosphere in which it's not cool to engage in bullying. Now, that doesn't mean you'll eliminate it totally because there are all different kinds of reasons that that cause bullying. It's not just this typical kind of stereotypical um, image we often have in our head of the, the big brute kid going around the the um, school corridors and the yard bashing everybody up. You know, that was kind of our image of what a school bully looked like many years ago. But bullying can occur because a child who is engaging in bullying behaviour comes from a home where aggressive forms of communication are the norm. Uh, They may have been traumatised in their own life. They may have um, a lack of understanding for difference and uh, poor empathy uh, when they encounter people who appear different to themselves. So the research shows all over the globe and here in Ireland that when we educate children and take into account these background factors, we can greatly reduce, reduce bullying. Right. So it's a it's so before the actual event happens, it's to do with the um the getting ready for that to prevent that event uh, happening in the in the school, and that involves as your other speaker said there, a partnership between the school, the parents, and all of the children involved. Okay. Um, um, and Mary, do you know what I mean? Do you think that's the right approach? It is, and it's been ongoing in lots of schools. But we have to remember 
we as adults create the bullying. So if we don't educate parents, it's no point in educating the children. We have to start with educating the parents of how bullying is, is, is being penetrated within the schools. And we also have to make parents aware of how to listen. Yeah, but the, the part that I'm struggling with is, and I take what uh, Professor James O'Higgins Norman has said there, and it makes an awful lot of sense trying to get the people in the middle who aren't bullied and don't bully and, and establishing a culture. But, but, uh, but I, I just, I mean, from all of our own experience at school, I know it's a long time ago for most of us, I, I just don't quite get how you stop the kind of subtle bullying. Now, you know, it's it, the, the fingers often pointed at girls here in that respect, yes. but it's it's not no, just no. it's not just girls who oh, no. who engage no. in that kind of. So, uh, of, Joe, I, I just go back to what I was saying there in terms of, um, you know, Mary has out there that you know adults make the bullies, but that's only one way that a, that a child um, may end up engaging in bullying behaviour. Uh, a lot of the time, they're not consciously engaged in bullying behaviour. It's just behaviour they've learned from home, as Mary points out, or it may be that there is something else going on about childhood bullies. And we need to look at the whole system. It's not just about the childhood bullies and stopping them from bullying. Um, there is work that needs to be done with everybody in the system, parents, teachers and, and kids. Um, and but, so, but, but practically speaking, if there is an instance of bullying, yeah. you know, and I take your point totally that it's about establishing a culture, establishing ground rules, yeah. and you know, but teachers can't be everywhere all the time and no. your your child is coming home to you and saying look I'm, I'm, I'm having problems here okay mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go and talk to the school oh god don't go and talk to the school that's just going to make it worse yeah exactly. and that's, yes. that's a typical yes. that's a typical response yes. from, from a child but in actual fact if, if it gets to the stage where you know something is happening then the first thing you must do is go and talk to the school about it and uh, and get them on board in, in terms of addressing the, the, the current critical situation that's occurring with a particular child we find that often that's the point where everything falls down because the parent comes into the school obviously very upset and anxious that their child is being victimised and the and then the teacher often takes this as a kind of a criticism of them and how they're managing the classroom or the school where the bullying is occurring and they can become quite defensive. So again, before that moment happens, we need to step back from that and try and develop an open relationship between parents and, and teachers that encourages them to communicate with each other about their about the kids that, are, that they all are concerned about um, anyway. And, and then teachers need to be very familiar with the anti-bullying policy and procedures in the school. The government has introduced since 2013 very clear national action plan and related policies for schools and uh, we know from our research that about half the schools are implementing those really well and the other half of the schools are struggling with that okay. and yes. uh, and so and teachers the, need sorry, very, Jim, sorry Mary. The schools that are, are actually having the difficulty at the moment are the schools who are not working their anti-bullying policy and you have teachers who don't want to meet parents so we have to have um a parents' association, we have to have proper connections between the parents and the schools. That's the most important thing for our children okay. because bullying has a drastic effect, long-term right. effect. How, how do you, Mary, deal with a specific situation where a girl is being frozen out by yes, a, had a, a, group, of a group of other girls? How, how do you actually stop that with anti-bullying policies? Because... It's impossible to prove. You know, the, she, she, the, the, the girl in question says it's happening. The other girls say, oh, God, it's not happening at all. 
Where's the evidence? Well, you see, again, it's based on what both individuals are saying. If the schools had a form of counselling and mediation, I am for years ago, I think it's going to happen now, where you have somebody in the environment who can actually watch what's going on and who will know and listen. But can I say, Joe, the parents have a big role to play in all of this. And and the one thing is, if parents know what's going on, they're able to approach the school, they'll have a plan with the year head and the principal involved, and yes, it takes time. But you have to get the trust of the person who is feeling that they are not involved anymore, that they're being pushed out. You've got well, to listen to what they're saying. One of, the, one of the issues with parents is that the parents of the children who are engaging in bullying behaviour don't usually accept that their child is acting as a bully. Exactly. And it's extremely yeah. difficult to work with those parents. Yeah. And um, and then what happens is the side effect of that is that teachers are unwilling to get involved unless they can have 100% proof that the bullying is occurring. So going back to the case, Joe, that you just tried to give us an example of there, um, which is a very typical case, it's not an unusual case, where there's bullying going on in unseen places, maybe online, maybe on the way to school, outside of school, or what, or what have you in the school as well. And um, the, the, it's brought to the attention of a teacher. And the teacher's response often is, uh, is nearly, it's nearly like they want a chain of evidence that would, would stand up in the Supreme Court. And that's not actually what's needed. Um, it's, it's not appropriate. What's needed is a very swift, and direct response from the school, from the teacher. And, there, and others in the school, whereby parents are informed, we believe this is a, a supposed to be happening. Uh, we do not accept that kind of behaviour in our school. If you think your child might be engaging in this behaviour, we need you to take some action at home. So it needs to be swift. There's no accusation. There's no one going to court in this. It's just very simple concern okay. that's being expressed to, the, to those is parents. Is there evidence that that works? Yes, it does work. Um, it's really it important. It depends on the school and the parents. Well, it, it's, it, as you said yourself there, Mary, it depends on the school. Well, well I mean, we, we've been asked a question by a listener just here saying, you know, yeah. white cat, white kittens, what then? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? White cat, white kittens, what then? In other words, I'm perfect and so are my kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every day we have that. Yes. Yes. So in, Again, in that situation, the school has to monitor the individual who's yes. suspected of bullying yeah. very tightly, put into place procedures and boundaries and observa- obser- observation to ensure. And, and usually when the school is very clear with the child who is, um, who is uh, uh, suspected of engaging in bullying behaviour, that that behaviour is not um, accepted, it then um, the, it reduces, the bullying behaviour reduces. But it may be that there's such a, an issue there at home or in the child's own life that they need some kind of ongoing developmental work um, but that has to be put in place too. Now what happens there is... The, the, the bully parent, you mean? Yes, the bully, yeah. yeah. What happens yeah. in that situation is the school is... Often schools are aware of a problem in, in a child's life that's manifesting itself in bullying behaviour. And then what happens is the, child, the, the, the parents of the child who's been targeted are, are, are rightly concerned and impatient that this, thing, this kid is still in the same classroom as their kid in school and they want to see something done about it. The school is in a terrible position there because they're trying in the background, maintaining the privacy of the child who's, who's acting as a bully um, to try and put in place the supports that are needed there. Um, but they don't, the parent whose child has been targeted doesn't have a right to know about that. And it can appear to the child, the parents of the child who's been targeted, that um, that nothing's been done. 
Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's not. There's no easy answers to this. No. It's a very difficult situation. I mean, it, it is a very battle. it is a very difficult situation, and it, it goes back to the point I made earlier. Ultimately, won't a lot of parents, if it is persisting, despite maybe the best efforts of the school, decide? Ah, listen, I'm going to move the child here. Well, that yeah. might be the case with primary school, but with a second level, the young person who is actually going through this trauma may decide that they don't want to be moved. So again, it's all about listening, Joe. I, I, you know, I would spend a lot of time with young people, and in the end, you'd be saying to them, you know, if you move, you you may get through your leaving cert, your junior cert, whatever it may be, and you'll be fine. But it's okay to want to change, but it's okay to have the right to stay in the school. Again, we're asking for schools and parents to work with this. It won't be solved quickly. and There may be no answers, but we have to resolve it for the young person that has been traumatised. Right. Um, Marion's been touched to say there's so much awareness now in schools about bullying, which is great. However, kids are now inclined to say they're being bullied to accuse another of bullying when, in fact, bullying isn't happening at all. They just don't like what's happening in a game or in their interactions when not that getting comes, their own way. That comes down to experience of both the, the school and the parents. If parents get called in on something like that, it's easy to resolve that because the, the whole group dynamic is used then. You will have um, leadership qualities in some young people or you'll have other people who just want to get on with it. So at the end of the day, it's an accumulation of knowledge of what's going on in the classroom or out on the sports field. Yeah. Another says, I was absolutely horrified to find out that my son hated secondary school and was being bullied for nearly two years. I found out after he did the Leaving Cert exams, horrified because I thought we had good conversations and had open dialogue, but he never let on. This is absolutely frightening and I'm so upset um, that I'm finding uh, that this is a a trauma for me now says. Can uh, can I just say to that parent, keep listening keep them talking because now he's probably going into third level and again there will be long term effects for him if he doesn't talk about it. Well do you know what I'm, I'm so glad you made that point and I presume you would agree with that as well James it feels to me that it is one of the most lasting and awful legacies into adulthood for victims. It, it, it can be. It can be, but not everyone who's bullied has those long-term effects. It will depend on a lot of different things in that person's, in that child's life. Um, it'll depend, you know, it's really important to remember that when the child is going to school and they, they have a negative effect and a negative experience in school of being bullied, um, they, they should have, and we should be making sure they have other spaces in their life that are where they have positive, successful relationships that counter that experience. So it doesn't become the be-all and end-all of their life. So many, many, many pe- children who are bullied in school will have um, long-term effects, and they can be quite serious. But many, many, many children who experience bullying in school won't have those effects because they have other things. People like to use the buzzword today, resilience. I'm not that mad about it myself, but they have other things around that in their life. So if a parent says to me, my kid's having a terrible time in school um, and, you know, we're not getting very far with this, but I don't want to change school and all that stuff. I'll always say to them, well, what other things are going on in your child's life that are positive? 
And if there aren't enough, let's start creating those. So are they in a football team outside of school? Are they in a drama group? Do they do, um, do they, do they enjoy playing games online where they're successful in that space? Whatever it might be and celebrate that and big that up so that right. the, what's happening in school is reduced. And it's all about, um, padding around that negative experience so that it, to minimize the effect um, of it. Mary, is it ever acceptable for the child being bullied to give the bully a belt? No. No. Although any of the victims that I have been dealing with while they would wish... No, I know that's not the most politically correct question out there and lots of people, no, oh God, no, how, dare, how dare you ask that question? But I mean, no, it is what some parents fine. would probably be thinking. No, it's fine. Parents might wish for that to happen. But you know, when you say that to the child that's been victimised at the time, what would you like to do? Most of the time they say, well, I'd rather be friends. I, I want to be friends with that person. I don't want to beat them up. I don't want to hit them. So my attitude to all of that is, yeah, that's the adult's way of thinking. But the, the child that's in the situation, you have to listen and say to them, well, what would you like to do? And yeah. it's normally nearly um, 90% um, of the time they want to be friends. Right. James, you sounded a bit shocked there in the background when I mentioned I'm sorry. that. Sorry. Yeah, I know you're, you're, you're really now playing devil's advocate asking a question <laughs> like that today. And it's, and it's a good question to ask. The, 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 but the, we have to remember with bullying, it's always about a power dynamic. So the, the person who is, who is experiencing themselves to be the target is experiencing themselves quite often to have less power than the person that's bullying them. So uh, what we need to do is find a way to, re, to, to rebalance that and give them that sense of power in their lives, but also make the person who's doing the bullying realise that that's not how you use the power you have, whether it's size, whether it's being able to articulate, whether it's, um, you know, whatever popularity can be a power, can give a person power. And if we, if we rebalance that, um, that power relation or that power dynamic, too much in the other direction. All we're doing is justifying another form of, of bad behaviour. Right. And, you know, if, if, if we punch, if, if, the, if the kid who's the victim punches the other kid, then the other kid comes back the next day with two more kids with him. And then, you know, we're, be, we're putting down then the, the foundations of a really dangerous situation where things escalate yeah. way, way out of control. So it's much more important to educate okay. and to resolve the issue. Okay, okay. Well, listen, thank you very much. Really interesting to talk to both of you about it. But I think the one thing that we will all conclude at the end of it, it is horrendously difficult, horrendously difficult to deal with bullying. Uh, thank you both very much, Professor James O'Higgins-Norman from the National Anti-Bullying Centre in DCU and Mary Dunn from the National Association of Victims of Bullying. Call Limerick Today now on 461995.